Hello, everybody, and welcome to Gaza Guy podcast with me, Mal Musa from Gaza. Today is my second part with Mahazima. We talked about the challenges facing our generation and for what in her life she feels most grateful, the definition of love, and what is the thing that men should know about women, and how you can order her book, Rose Water Syrup. Tune in, Gaza Guy podcast from Gaza. What are the challenges you think next generation will face? or your generation, if we can talk about your generation, had faced you, or you think the recent or the current generation facing, it's up to you. You can take oh the question God. that you like. Oh my goodness. I, honestly, I just think between like the social media overload, between um, what I consider inauthentic living, um, people doing things for, for the sole purpose of um, meeting some standard set in um shallow visual misrepresentations of our lives. I do not envy the next generation. Um, climate change, what that what that's going to do to this world as we know it. Um, increasing, an increasing gap between um, the rich uh, and the middle and poor classes. Uh, I know I use the term classes while acknowledging that it's a term I hate. Um, but you but you understand like the different different monetary spheres. Um, I, I think I don't think we're in for a good haul to be quite honest with you. The challenges, I mean, are they insurmountable? Um, no, of course not, but I think it's going to become increasingly harder to be at peace in this world. I, I, yeah, that's it's a that's a huge question, and my answer is equally vague. I don't have that answer. For what in your life uh, you feel most grateful? Oh, I have so many things for which I'm grateful, Muhammad. I have so many things for which I'm grateful. My my resolve, my um, my strength of will, um, my family, people I consider uh, beloveds, um, the fact that I have clean water, the fact that I have mobility. The fact that I have a job, the fact that I can get up in the morning and put on red lipstick and have a cup of coffee and not worry about 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 not having access to things, um, the fact that my family remains healthy and safe-ish in Gaza, the fact that if I want to leave my apartment and go have a cup of coffee, I have the money to do so, and I have the freedom to do so. There is nothing for which I'm not grateful. Alhamdulillah, everything. I think everything, everything, everything. The fact that I'm sitting here talking to you, um, that you are so kind, that you, you know, are, wanted to have me on your podcast. I think that's wonderful. I'm so happy that you. So I'm, I'm grateful for everything. I'm grateful that my, my parents raised me um, to want to, to put my ambitions in things that have so much more value than money. I'm grateful for. I'm grateful for it all. Alhamdulillah, I'm grateful for it all. And I think that if you were to like to put me into a hole, I would still find a thing to be grateful about. Wow, <laughs> what a beautiful answer. What three habits that will improve your life? Oh my God, oh my God. Exercising regularly, because I'm lazy. Ugh, if I could just lay around all day and read and like eat pizza and spaghetti, I would. And ramen and sushi and cake, I would, that's, I, so, so being much, 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 much more active, even though I'm already active, but I think I can always do more. Um, 
being more disciplined about my writing. Because like I said to you, I don't have to be. I do it because I feel it. So if I could be more, um, and maybe having a little bit more courage in general. I have a lot of courage emotionally. And I have a lot of courage when I need to use my voice in, um, in defense of injustices in defense uh, in defense of sorry in defense of justice i'm very courageous but maybe I, I wish i could have just a little bit more fearlessness about certain things um which i think is going to surprise my friends because like my friends, like there are certain things i wish i had the courage to like sort of try out for but but I, but I don't. I can't. Don't ask me to name them. I can't because then that 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 defeats the purpose of being scared of them. So I kind of wish I had a little bit more. One example. I can't. Example. I can't. Don't don't ask this of me. I cannot. I cannot. Because then I suddenly have courage maybe, and I go. Mention it. Maybe maybe mentioning them will be the first step. You know. <laughs> It'll be the first step. Okay, I'll give you a silly one, but it's true. I wish I could sing. Sing. I'd love to be sing like I am constantly belting out I love music I'm constantly belting out in my own apartment and I, I wish I had the courage to be like hey this is like it's a muscle and if you were to just put in the time and train that muscle you could improve that muscle but I'm too shy to go out there and do it so even if I had like an amazing voice like a musically inclined voice I would never be able to for example get up and do karaoke I, I, I'm just too shy you know I'm very much an extrovert but I'm also I hate I hate being the center of attention I wish I had the courage to put me into spaces where I could be the center of attention and I'm not talking about being with friends or being in safe spaces I'm talking about in general now on I get into into that space I'm very comfortable it's just taking the step into that space I know this is gonna like some of my friends are gonna be like what is this bullshit what is this? <laughs> you, you are so in that part but I'm no I'm I'm like there's what is it we're like an introverted extrovert I, I really need my like for example I'm not the person to make a lot of noise I'll but sing, I want. sing something if you want oh let's my try God. why not no. your, your listeners will turn off and they'll and they'll be never tune in again no the answer is a flat no I am humbled when I get my training <laughs> <laughs> maybe maybe really makes you angry injustice injustice when I see someone taking advantage of somebody else bullying Bull. when I see so the, like those two general areas, injustice and in that, like that's such a huge field, right? Injustice, that's like racism, um, Islamophobia, homophobia, transphobia, all of the phobias, you name them, if I see them, it is like, it's like rage, rage builds up in me. And people, hypocrites, nothing. No, and I'm someone who, I, what you see, is really what you get. If I make you a promise, I will do the impossible to mean it. If I say, like I try, I even try, I do my best not to even lie. But I'll give you a perfect example, like you will understand this. Um, um, I don't know, mama says, مثلاً, a day when I'm not okay? Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to tell my mom, right? Mama I don't want to lie. So I will say, and then I'll go upstairs and I will so I'm not a liar. <laughs> <laughs> when I come up against people 
who are liars and hypocrites. There is nothing, I'm, and I'm terrible for this because I want him to lift that veil and let the world see them for the ugly creatures that they are. So those are very seriously the two things that just, you know, the expression is they get my goat. I mean, they get my goat. Oh yeah, rage, rage, rage. What makes you laugh the most? Oh, I laugh pretty easily. I'm like a dummy that walks around laughing all the time. Well, you, you know, what I'll say is what lifts my heart. What lifts my heart? Kindness. When I see people being kind to one another, that really, and when I see people standing for things that require a stand, even though they know they will be harmed for taking the right step. Those are the two things that lift my heart. Courage in the face of absolute terror. We talked about your book. We didn't talk much. You said it's uh, it's divided into four chapters. Yeah, tell me more about this. It goes back to like, it goes back to identity. Because I write about experiences, one, I couldn't write about only a thing. And I couldn't write about a thing without recognizing the intersectionality of who I am which is I'm not just some, like I'm not just a woman walking down the street. I'm a straight woman. I am an immigrant. I am a feminist. I am a Muslim. I um, my my original roots are occupied. I, I come to a place of occupation. It was impossible for me to um, not have a thematic approach to my writing. That said, there are certain things that are a lot more easily written than others because they're just a lot more easy to understand, such as the lover section. Heartbreak is a very distinct thing and it's something into which um, many, many people can tap in uh, that are not necessarily immigrants, that are not necessarily brown. Um, even though I'm technically brown, I look very white. People don't know exactly what part of the world I'm from. I'm not easily identifiable. So heartbreak and healing seems to be like the universal language. Um, actually, I should say love, heartbreak and healing seem to be the universal language into which all, every identity can tap. So I'm also someone who likes to compartmentalize. So while I was writing, I was like, oh, this thing fits into this pocket. This thing fits into this pocket neatly. And then I realized very quickly that that's actually not possible when it comes to identity. You cannot, you can't put things into slots and just sort of be like, well, that's just about immigration. Nope, that's not the way it works. That's not how it works to be human. But still, because I like, because I like labels and I ended up sort of, when I, when I would write something, I'm like, this fits more into this pile feminist than it does into this pile of Islam. But still. Let's hear a poem from you about heartbreaking about love. Heartbreak. Okay, I'm gonna read a very short one, that one then we can talk about. The heart pain I feel is in direct proportion to your ability to love, I remind myself. To envy the quick shedding of a lover is to turn your back on the softest you. That poem's called Self-Awareness. It's so beautiful how you, how you managed to uh, say those words in a very short poem, you know, and it means a lot. It says a lot, yeah. in uh, short lines, in two to three to four lines. That's incredible and brilliant. That's um, that's something that I, I I really never ever thought would be possible because oh. I like to because I like to, to talk as much as I do. The fact that I was able to first of all thank you for the compliment, but the fact that I I, I agree. I, I one of the things that I really appreciate about poetry is that 
it taught me you don't have to say a lot to say the right thing. Well, I would love to uh, listen to another one, but it's up to you if it's about heartbreak and love, or it's about feminism, or it's about being a daughter. Here, I'll read you one. I'll read you another one. I spilled tea, burning the counter while trying to speak. You would not have a conversation because truth is the only thing which lives in my mouth. This, a sign that the spilled tea was not in error. And that poem is called Intuition. What does a successful relationship look like to you? First of all, it's a place where you always have peace. Nice. Um, if, if you are in a situation that brings you any kind of anxiety, then I actually believe that that is um, one of God's voices telling you that you are not in the right space. So I think that, and, and it's like our Dean says, there should be mercy between lovers. Yeah. And mercy is peace. So that's the first, that's the first thing. Uh, I think in terms of like, really the logistics the machinations of a relationship what is a healthy relationship is one that lifts both people one that encourages both people one that allows both people to see the best version of themselves and then to work every day to be that person um, i don't think it's complacency i think that's lazy i think a good relationship is one that while peaceful it actually demands that you become a better person. Because if we love someone, we want to see them always be the best. best chain, yeah. Exactly. So um, I think that, I think that's like, that's the spiritual essence of a relationship. You have, you have the peace and then you have the spiritual essence. And I think on an everyday level, I think a relationship is, the most successful relationship is the one where you are so excited to see your partner every day. And you choose that, you choose that person. You have goals for yourself, but you also have goals for that relationship. You're excited to see them. You see a thing and it makes them think of, makes you think of them. You see a thing that you wanna share with them. It's literally almost like every single one of us sits in a little space, right? I'm sitting in my little space. And then you actively every day choose to expand that space into enough of an area to let somebody else join you and vice versa. You know, Rabna says to us, Rabna asks us to renew our faith at least five times a day. When we pray, we say Every day we say that. If we have to remember to make that choice with respect to God, you know, an all-powerful, all all-knowing, all-present being, then we have to do the same thing with humans. We remember, can't get lazy. We can't get lazy. Remember the things that brought us together. Exactly. And what we're going to do together down the line. You can't, you can't get lazy. You know, people say it all the time. They, they took me for granted. You can't get lazy. You have to know the love language of your partner and you have to feed it and you have to know your own in order to get it fed. You ha you can't you have to keep doing work. Like people do work on themselves all the time, but very few people I think a lot of the times people are like, oh, my goal is to get into a relationship, and then they forget that that's when the hard work should start. Because uh -huh. getting into a relationship is actually pretty easy. So easy. It's it's whether or not you can you can sustain it. In general, I'm talking if you could define love. I know it's a wide concept and harsh to be defined and not easy to be defined, but I would like to hear from you, Maha. How do you define love? I, I don't think love is a thing. I don't think you can define love. I think love, I don't think love is a thing which you can define. I think love, true love, is a thing which you can only illustrate. Uh -huh. And love can be found and can express itself. You know, they say 
the devil is in the details. One of my girlfriends, Noreen, once said, actually, God is in the detail. And that has always stuck with me. And I think love is the same thing. I think love is in the details. It's in the getting you a cup of coffee over the course of 15, 20 years. It is always having your back publicly, even if you disagree with them privately, and then having that conversation respectfully, quietly, when you're behind closed doors. It is learning why your partner loves a thing, even when they don't ask it of you. It's reading the book that your partner, it's reading your partner's favorite childhood book without them asking it of you. I think love is a constant, I think healthy, and successful love is a constant effort on our part to recognize and honor what we like so much about the person next to us. And I think really, I think if we're healthy human beings, I think love, romantic love is basically your best friend, but sexy. Because we make all of this effort with our friends. We go out of our way to make our friends happy. But I don't understand, and I don't really, like I really don't understand yet why people in relationships put more effort into their non-romantic relationships. I see it around me all the time than they do with their partners after a little while. So I think, I think love is a constant reminder to yourself and to your partner that you have chosen them. And I don't love can have like this. I think love needs to come with time. Really the true essence of love can only come with time. It's not a word. It's not a word. It's, it's a thing. You had to describe yourself five words. What would they be? Passionate, honest, loving, deliberate, passionate, honest, loving, deliberate, generous. That's so beautiful. Yeah, those I've yeah, I've never had to describe myself, but I think we just, I think we just wrote my Tinder profile. Do you have any guilty pleasures? Uh fried chicken. Fried chicken with <laughs> with buffalo sauce, fried chicken. Um I can really conk out on a on a I can I can binge watch if I'm not careful, I can sit and just watch a TV show that I love. I can just binge watch it for hours and hours and hours. And like books, I can sit and read it till, and forget myself and read it till five, six o'clock in the morning and not get my sleep. You know, every once in a while, a cigarette. My mother's going to hate hearing that. So is my dad. Those are basically my guilty pleasures. But yeah, fried chicken. Oh my goodness. And I have to say the best people who make fried chicken, Americans. Because they batter it and they triple deep fry it and it's like a heart attack on a plate and i love pasta pizza food the worst food i love it so i have to stay active muhammad <laughs> uh, those are my that's nice what big life changes have you recently experienced i have to say that covid with covid and watching people suddenly discover the black lives matter movement has made me realize I don't have a lot of time for people. One of my girlfriends has described me, she said, I care about humanity on a macro level, but I just don't really like people on a micro level. And that is very, very true. I care about, in general, humanity, but see, I don't have time for people. Like I, I'm, I, I since COVID, I've really been very conscious of um, the frivolity of life. And I just don't really have time for it. So, um, I would say that that's really brought a huge shift into my world. I've always been very deliberate, always, um, because I believe that being deliberate in our choices is the only way for us to take responsibility for the outcomes of those choices. Uh, um, if you go, well, I just did it because, then you can't take responsibility. I would say that the last few months have really shown me um, even more so uh, what I value and who I value and the kind of characters and the integrity that I value. What have you learned from your past relationship? Setting boundaries is so critical. Mm -hmm. I'm someone who, if I make a decision about a thing, 
I will do the impossible to follow through that decision. In my last engagement with someone, in my last interaction with someone, I had made a very, very particular decision before I was even um, emotionally invested in him. I had decided that halas, it was time to be married and to start the next chapter. And so what happened is by keeping my eye on that ball, I shifted all of my boundaries and I let all of the, even though I was seeing all of the red flags, I let them go because I was fixated and focused on, on an event in the future. And um, that really drove home the point that boundary setting is critical because I, um, one of the things I used to describe myself to you was loving and generous, two of the things, loving and generous. And that can be a deadly combination because I have so much to give and I want to give it. I, I spoil, like uh-huh. I spoil people I love, friends and, and, and partners. And um, I can very easily lose myself in that, in that wanting to be loving and to be generous because I receive pleasure when I know I have made someone happy. When I know that I have made someone I love happy, I am made happy. And so setting boundaries for myself was something that I really needed to uh, to learn how to do, and it's still a lesson that I that I'm learning. And I think it's something that I'll always learn how to sort of constantly navigate. That and um, and I would say what I said earlier too, which is anxiety in a relationship is actually the biggest signal that something is not right, and it is in fact a reason to close the door on that on that relationship. When you have peace with someone, when sitting next to someone, when being away from someone still brings you peace, then that's something that, that you have to pay attention to. And it's a thing that I think signals you are in a very good and healthy space with a partner. So those are the two my big those two biggest lessons. The concept of being at peace inside of a relationship and setting boundaries. What fun activity from your childhood has been completely ruined for kids today? Television. Watching television. I know it sounds weird, but every Sunday we used to get the TV guide, television guide that would give you the next seven days of programming. I would go through this thing with a highlighter and I would map out the TV shows I could watch because I was only allowed to watch half an hour of English TV a night. And if I wanted to watch a movie that was on Friday, I would have to bank my half an hour from Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, so I could watch a two hour movie on Friday. There was patience in that. Uh, You had to wait. You couldn't just get online and do a thing immediately. So it taught you to find joy in waiting and to, to, to find the excitement of having a thing to look forward to. I think these like small childhood things that I had helped me develop uh, very distinct things in my personality today um, on a much more like sort of dumb level. We didn't have the internet. We didn't have tablets or telephones. So when I wanted to have fun, I had to get my ass up and go outside and like knock on my friend's doors with my bicycle and with my little roller skates and and ask if they wanted to come out and play with me. I had to find my pleasure in not the virtual relationships, but rather in like the real ones, which are, I mean, no one can deny how good fresh air is for us. I would like to ask, how do you define success? 
I define success as contentment and not doing harm to others. Contentment in who you are, being proud of the person that you are while not doing harm to others. Because a lot of people who have a lot of money are super proud of themselves. They're proud because they got all this money. They're proud because they're, I don't know, wearing the right clothes with the right labels and driving the right cars. There's no eye turned to whether they made all that money by harming other people or not. So for me, it's two things. It has to be contentment and pride in who you are while you have elevated others. That's success. Mm -hmm. It's placing value in the uplifting of hearts of others, not just selfishly trying to meet some kind of weird quota that the world has set up for you and monetary gain. So success for me has nothing to do with um, how much money you have in the bank. What was the single best realization you have ever had? Oh my God, Muhammad. Muhammad? That's a very difficult question. Why are you asking me all these hard questions? That everything is temporary. So that true. literally everything is temporary. So true. Um, every, every... Some people don't realize this. Yeah, I mean, everything, man. Everything, every happy moment, every traumatic moment, every relationship, every feeling inside of that relationship, every engagement, everything ends in this, like in this world, on this plane. Nothing is eternal. So nothing is, there is very, very, very little over which we should wring our hearts for too long because it will shift. It will shift. That doesn't mean we're not obligated to do right and work hard to undo faster a thing such as racism um, or any or any phobia I mentioned. But everything is temporary. That realization, I I that I, re, I remember it 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 shook me. Like I think maybe it's human nature. Change is very hard for humans. We are creatures of habit. Change is very hard. It's a challenge. And so to realize that in fact all I have is change, mm -hmm. it, it, it rocks me. It really, really rocks me. What is the biggest change you want to make in your life? That I want to make to my life? Biggest change you want to make? I'd like to maybe care a little bit less. I, I, feel, I feel things and I feel them a lot which is where all of my energy comes from and it's where all of my passion comes from. And do I wish I could sometimes diminish from that? I do, because it hurts. It hurts, like it hurts, it hurts. It hurts to be here so much of the time. And I look at people and I think, oh, you're so happy, you're so light. Don't you see what's happening around you? But you're so, do I wish I could be a little bit lighter sometimes? I do, I wish I could do that sometimes. When are you most yourself? Pretty much all the time. Yeah, I mean, pretty much all the time. It's very ah. rare that I'm, it's very rare that I'm not myself. Mm -hmm. I'm I'm myself all the time. I don't know what I would look like if I wasn't this. Mm -hmm. Have you ever made a decision that changed your entire life? If so, what was it? I, I don't know. That's a very hard question to address because I think every decision. I believe every decision we make um, is life-altering. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Which and it differs. I, uh, at every yeah. stage of your life, it differs. Yeah. I, I, there's not one, there's not one thing, there's not one, which is, again, it's why I try to be as deliberate as I am. I, 
don't there is not there's no decision that we make that is not somehow linked to the greater picture including what how many times i decide to eat cake in my life because that translates into sugar intake which could ultimately when i'm 60 give me diabetes you know like yeah. <laughs> i for me it's not a moment it's ev- it's every decision all the time it changes the trajectory of our lives so i try to choose in the moment based on what i think is healthiest for me in that moment mm-hmm. if you had to compare yourself to one fictional character who would it be i would love okay i can't compare myself to anybody I can't think of anybody I'd compare, like I would compare myself to because I haven't. But if I could be one character, it would be an action movie character. I would be like a woman who kicks ass and takes names. I'd be knocking, I'd be knocking everybody over is what I would be doing. Everybody who's dumb, everyone who's racist and X, Y, Z phobic, I'd be like breaking their doors down and kicking their ass and, um, and wearing high heels while I was doing it. So I would be like a combination. Ultimately, I would love to be a combination between um, Charlize Theron's outfits in Atomic Blonde and makeup and uh, Angelina Jolie's attitude in Wanted because she was unyielding when she believed in uh, a good thing. So that's my answer. Two, I will give you clothes and attitude. <laughs> What is the most important thing that guys should understand about the girl? It seems to you that they do not understand. Oh my God, there's so much straight men don't understand about straight women. I don't know. <laughs> I think this is unfair. I could give you a whole dissertation on what straight men need to do in order to understand straight women better. Many men have looked at me and they have been like, oh, you're very strong. You know, okay, which has a very different connotation in Arabic than it does in English. Yeah. Because I'm very noisy. I make noise, I'm chit chatty, I'm not scared to share an opinion when it is the right time and space. I also back up these opinions with data and research because I'm not, you know, I, I don't want to be a dummy who just like regurgitates shit for no reason. Um, men tend to be scared, straight men tend to be scared for the most part of straight women who are maybe as noisy as I am. Uh-huh. And I think that what straight men should understand about women like me is that we will hold them down and we will protect them and we will love and adore them and we will honor them as ferociously as we do ourselves and the ideas that we hold dear. And I would say the people of whom they should be scared are not the loud, noisy girls, but rather the ones who manipulate quietly. We see, we see this in our culture. We see this all the time, right? Pretend to, you're laughing because you know exactly what I'm talking about. Pretend yeah. to, what is that saying? Something. Um, yeah, exactly. In English, that's the cat ate her breakfast. So like we're taught much of the time, be the quiet one. And when you hook him, then let him see who you really are. I don't even know what that means. I don't even know what that means, but but it's a thing, right? You are laughing because you know Muhammad. Yeah, you yeah, know. yeah. So true. these dummy men, really, like these dummy men 
think in no darum ala shat al bahar because they're going to be with a quiet woman because what does that mean it means that they think they're going to control and walk her a very particular way mm. and then and then they discover that it was never true <laughs> and in fact if anybody was being manipulated it was it's them. Yeah, yeah exactly so i think if i like one of the biggest lessons that i would love for to to see men learn is that you know when you demand authenticity from a woman or actually from anybody you are actually demanding an elevated individual when you ask a woman to pretend she's a thing which she is not in order for her to land a man who wants her because of the thing that she is not no one's going to be happy no one's going to be happy do not confuse quietness and meagerness with um i don't even know what what they confuse it with they confuse it with like a happier relationship where no one is challenging them where no one is in the exact same way that i would ask men not to confuse trying for invulnerability from hurt or don't confuse that a woman who is strong is not is a woman who can't also be soft and gentle um and ferociously giving just don't don't slot women into these weird little categories that's to the benefit of both men and women by the way you know yeah, yeah. that's not just for men it's for men and women and women too i really enjoyed the, our conversation today one of the listeners wants uh, to order your book can you tell them how yes they can order it through amazon um even though i prefer that they not they can actually order it directly through the publisher which is my preference muhammad i will send you the link and you can put the link wherever you want um or you can redirect them to my page my about me page there's a section there where they can buy the book mention you can mention the instagram page so they can so it, it, my instagram they they're welcome to come to my instagram page from where everything is linked it's um just my first name and my last name m a h a z i m m o that's my instagram that's where you can find all of my writing and from there you can in fact purchase the rosewater syrup maha thank you for joining me on the podcast today i really enjoyed our conversation if you want to say something for before we go what will you say um i just want to say thank you so much for having me I've really enjoyed this too. We've been on the phone almost two hours, and it's gone like that. So, yeah. oh, thank you for like forcing me to dig deep um, to answer to some of, uh, to answer some of your questions. And wonderful, wonderful, Muhammad. It was so nice to meet you. Thank you, thank you. Pleasure is yeah, all mine. Yeah, inshallah, we will either meet um, in person, either in Gaza one day or one. or outside. Yeah, yeah, one day.